Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Morning, church. If you haven't had a chance to meet Cass uh, yet, she's She's newer here to the church. Uh, she started joining, uh, attending last summer. Um, and uh, unlike that video, she is quite shy. So I would encourage you to go ahead, if you see her in the hallway, or, go ahead and encourage her. Um, let her know that uh, you appreciate the video. She's jumping into ministry here at NAPNAS. And one of the things that we love to see, especially from our young adults, is to see someone come in get connected, and immediately jump into serving in any way possible. And that is what she is doing. So just uh, introduce yourself, say hi, and I'm sure, I'm sure she's going to love me saying that this morning. So this morning, we are jumping into a topic that may seem ironic for me. A 29-year-old single man has been asked to open the series on family. I think, I don't know what Chip's plan is for me, but, uh, well, we're just going to jump right into it. Yes, a 29-year-old single man opening the series on family may be ironic. In fact, I've had so many conversations with many of you. Many of you are actively... Uh, rooting for me, I guess, on making sure I'm looking for that right person. Making sure that I'm on the lookout for the right person so that one day I can start my own family. I appreciate that. I do. So in the midst of all of this, after several years of being rooted upon, um, it's led me to ask the question, It's led me to have many conversations with many of you even about what makes having a family so amazing. What makes having a family so pivotal in your lives? What makes family, why should I be attracted to having a family? I mean, let's be honest. I come here to church or I visit my my brother or friends and whatnot and I see I see kids running around and I see parents stressed. I see parents distressed and and kids crying and screaming and yelling and I I wonder to myself, why are people rooting for me to have that? (laughs) Opening a family series from my perspective may seem ironic. But I think if we're being honest with ourselves, this is a very important question everybody has to answer. What makes family so amazing? Even for someone who maybe not, is not raising their own. Why should I as a single man, why should you as parents or grandparents or a fellow single people Why should we be attracted to the idea of family? 
You know, I've heard many answers to this question. I've heard many things of like, hey, well, what makes family so special? And, and I've heard answers such as, well, my family makes me a better Christian. Or I experience more sanctification because of my family. Because I'm continually shown how selfish I am. And it just makes me into a better person. I've been told, well, there's simply no greater joy than having a family. You can't beat the joy of having kids. I would argue that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and as good as these answers are, and as much as I would like from my perspective say, yeah, that's, I want to have that. I want to have a family for those reasons. I still think personally, biblically, that these answers fall short. I mean, yeah, for all of those of you who have a family, for those of you who are grandparents and parents, you may experience joy. You may experience sanctification. You may, in fact, even be a better Christian. But I think you are experiencing these uniquely. As a single man, I still believe that I am experiencing the fullness of joy. I mean, do I really need to have a family to become a better Christian. In fact, I would say from a biblical point of view, the argumentation could be that the single people are the ones who may experience greater sanctification. So we're still left with the question, what is so amazing about family? What makes it so pivotal in a person's life? I've even heard the answer, well, we need to have families to protect the state of America from societal collapse. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think God had America in mind when he created Adam and Eve. I, or did he? Did he? You know, I think a big part of being able to answer these questions regarding family is coming to the idea, coming to the understanding, what is the purpose of family? What is the purpose of marriage? You see, in our culture today, in Northwest Ohio especially, Getting married, having kids, it's just the thing to do. It's the next step. It's the rite of passage. It's a default lifestyle. The only thing is when we live in a default lifestyle, we tend to miss out. Because if I were to ask you guys these questions, what makes family so important, could you give me an answer besides I experience greater joy and sanctification or whatever? What is your answer? Can we truly discuss this? Can you help me understand what makes family so attractive? And so when we live in this default lifestyle, we tend to miss out on the greater purpose that I believe God is inviting us each to. Because I believe that in our lives, God is inviting us in our marriages, in our families. He's inviting us to more than simply having the thing to do or the, or the next step of life. He's inviting us to have direction and passion and vibrancy all throughout. Not just do the thing because it's the thing to do. So this becomes the real question then. What is the purpose of family? What is the heart of God behind ordaining the creation of family? In this case, what is God's blueprint for the family? And what is my role? What is my role? What is your role? What is our role in that blueprint? And when we can answer this question, I believe it is then when we find the answer of what makes families 
so attractive, even to the single man. And hopefully, maybe after today, hopefully, or after this series, you'll fall even more in love with your own family. Not living in default, not living just day after day after day, doing the motions, but truly understand what God has invited each of us to. So today, we're not going to be, unlike many of our past series, we're not going to just be sitting in one piece of scripture. We're going to be all over the place, and hopefully I can use the story of scripture to walk through the details, to walk through the heart of God as he ordains the creation of family. But in order to answer this question, there's a lot of questions that we have to answer today, a lot of questions for me, at least. In order to answer the question of what is so attractive, in order to answer the question of what is the purpose, the blueprint of God for families, we, then, we first have to ask the question, what is God's ultimate blueprint for the world? Because the fact of the matter is, God's desire for family cannot be separated. It cannot be isolated from his desire for the world. God's desire and blueprint for the family has to coincide with what he is doing in the world around us. And this is where it gets good because I believe in scripture God makes it explicitly clear with an abundance of scripture as to what he is hoping for the world around us, for his creation, for his earth. We jump right away into Habakkuk 2.14. Habakkuk 2.14 says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Philippians 2.9-10 says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now these are just a few verses, two pieces of scripture out of a plethora of verses. But here's what we're discovering in these two verses, in these few verses. One, God's glory is to saturate the earth in the same way that the oceans, the seas cover the earth. God's glory is to be permeating all throughout the world. Two, Every person is to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, all to the glory of God the Father. So when we ask the question, what is God's ultimate plan? What is God's ultimate blueprint for the world? We see these two points, and these aren't just the only pieces of scripture that prove this point. God is out in the midst of making sure his image, his glory, his love is known throughout the world. This is his desire for us, for his world, for his glory to be made known and to be seen and to be experienced by all of creation. Now, before we start to think that God is some arrogant being on an ego trip, we have to understand that, yes, if a human were out to spread their own glory, their own image, their own way of doing things across the world, yes, that would be an ego trip. But when God does it, it's simply an overflow of who he is. I mean, let's think about who God is. God, in all reality, uh, I hesitate to use this analogy because it automatically falls short. 
and I do not want to say heresy, but work with me. This is a safe place. Work with me here. God in and of himself is kind of like a family. He is three in one, the Trinity. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In himself, he is perpetually love, both giving and receiving. I once heard it explained this way, that God the Father is loving God the Son, and God the Son is loving God the Father, and they're making known their love through God the Holy Spirit for all eternity past and all eternity future. And so from this love, and much in the same way that any humans, from this love, he literally overflows into creating with his desire being that his glory and his love, his glory, would saturate all that he has created and for his creation to share in this love. I mean, think about it. When, you, when, when all of you have kids, what is that the product of? Without getting into too many details, that is the product of love. Why do you create? Because you love, and out of your love for one another come your own very image bearers. And so within himself, God is perpetually loving, and out of this love naturally then comes creation. You and me, and we are his image bearers. And if God is most satisfied in himself, God is most satisfied within this perpetual love. His desire is that his creation would also find him to be most satisfying. And since he is the highest being, outside of anything created, there can be nothing better, greater to be satisfied by. So we've answered this question then. What is God's blueprint for the world? His blueprint is for all of creation to be a result of his glory. And for us, his creation, to experience his glory, his perfect, eternal, and unconditional love. This is the purpose, this is the blueprint that God has ordained for creation. For his glory to spread across the world and for us to experience it. This is his blueprint for us. So we then have to go back to the original question, what is the purpose of the family? Where do families come into play within this ultimate blueprint? And I would suggest, I would make the argument that families occur right from the beginning. God creates family when he sees it wasn't good for someone to be isolated, for someone to be alone. And in the midst of seeing Adam alone and isolated from anyone else like him, he then creates, God creates, the indispensable partner. In fact, the word that is used to describe Eve is often used to describe God's relationship with his people. We cannot do without. Man cannot do without woman, and woman cannot do with man. And all of a sudden, in the very beginning, God creates the two of them so that they could be in community with one another. And this is the beginning of the very first human family. And following this same heart then, we jump to Genesis 1 28, after he has created man and woman, we're told this, God blessed them, man and woman, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. 
Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And here we have it. Be fruitful and increase in number. What more could there be? I mean, this is it, right? This is, this is reproduction 101. Be fruitful and increase in number. This is why we have families, right? Because God said, hey, go make more of yourselves and spread them across the world, right? Did you know that this command was also given to Noah? After the flood, Noah find, uh, God finds Noah and his sons and he says, hey, be fruitful and increase in number. Now this makes sense because God had just destroyed the world. There was no one alive except for Noah and his family. So it would make sense. Hey, we need to go repopulate just like Adam and Eve. Okay, seems pretty straightforward. We have families because God tells us to have families. Currently, I'm falling short, apparently. But then we see this command for a third time. And this is where things start to get interesting. We see this command given to Jacob. And for those of you who don't know or who aren't familiar with the story of Jacob, Jacob would eventually become the father of all of the Israelites, the Israelites being modern-day Jews. But what's interesting about this is that in the midst of this command, which we see in Genesis 35, in the midst of this command, Jacob already has 11 sons with one on the way. In the midst of this command, in the time that Jacob is living, we already know the world has already been populated. So all of a sudden we begin to see, wait a minute, does this command strictly deal with simply making humans and making them spread across the world? Genesis 35.10 says this through 11. God said to him, Jacob, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. And so all of a sudden, we see God's changing things up a little bit. It's the same command, but in different circumstances. So we have to ask ourselves, again, another question. Did God really mean for Jacob to continue bringing forth more and more children? He's already got basically 12 right here. How many more does he need? And this, my friends, is where it gets really cool. I didn't include this verse in the slides today. But if you go back to Genesis 1, 28, go to the verse beforehand. And this is where we begin to see more of what God's heart is for the family. In verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1, it says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then comes the verse about being fruitful and increasing in number. And so now we have this command, be fruitful and increase in number, be fruitful and multiply. We have this command now associated with the fact that humans, now no other creation, mind you, not even the angels in heaven, humans alone are created in the image of God. And here's where it gets even cooler, if you will. Let's, let's look here at 
at Genesis 35:10. Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. Israel, the name means God fights. And so all of a sudden, we see in the midst of God creating Adam and Eve, the command to be fruitful and increase is associated back with the fact that they have been created in the image of God. And now all of a sudden, when God then gives the command to Jacob, not because the world needs populated, but he gives the command to Jacob and saying, I am God, your name is now God fights. I need you to go increase in number. And we have this connection that the image of God, who God is, is to be spread across the earth. It's not simply about increasing the number of humans on the earth. It's about taking the image of God, who God is, and taking that name of God and spreading it. And then look what comes afterwards. If we go back to then Genesis 1:28. After the command to be fruitful and increase, it says this, subdue the earth, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every other living creature that moves on the ground. Rule, subdue. This was back with Adam and Eve. And what do we see here? In Genesis 35, verse 11, a nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. Friends, don't we see that when it comes to God giving us the command to be fruitful and to increase in number, there are two things that this command are, is closely associated with. The image of God, which we are all created in as humans, the image of God and ruling on his behalf. Ruling on his behalf. And so in light of everything that we've already discussed regarding who God is and his ultimate blueprint for us, we now see that God desires for families not to simply add more human beings to the planet, but to be tools by which this earth experiences God. That families are a tool by which this earth begins to see the glory of God. I mean, let's think about who God is once again, the Trinity, perpetual love and submission. If God the Father is in loving God the Son and God the Son is receiving that love and submitting to the will of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit is submitting to the will of God the Son and God the Father and they're the perfect example and model for what family is to be, then we begin to understand that in our families today, perpetual love and serving and submission are the two things in which God is calling every family to so that the world would know his glory. Where do families come into play within the ultimate blueprint of the world? Families are tools by which the image of God is displayed throughout all the world as humans rule in love and submission. Families are tools by which the image of God is displayed throughout all the world as humans rule in love and submission on his behalf. But in order for this to happen, 
we still have one more step in the process of asking the question, why are families so attractive? I mean, can't single people, can't, can't those without families, can't those who don't have the pleasure of experiencing kids, can't they, can't they bear forth God's image? Can't they be the ones? And the answer is absolutely yes. And so if that's the case, what makes families so unique and special? Well, first off, we have to understand that if families are to be tools, some of the tools by which God uses for his glory, these families must first be saturated with God. These families must first be saturated with God. You right now today might say, yeah, I'm a Christian, my family's Christian, but my question to you is, are you saturated with God? God. It's kind of like taking a, a, a glass and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm full of water and I'm going to water this ground beneath me. But the thing is, if the glass's purpose is to hold the water and there is no water in it, and then it gets dumped to water the ground, it's ineffective. It doesn't matter that it's a glass. It doesn't matter that its uh, inherent purpose is to hold water. Unless it's actually holding the water, it can't be dumped out and water the ground beneath it. And if the purpose of the family is to water the earth with the image of God, we then first must be saturated with God in order to display his glory across the world. So my question then today is, are our families saturated with God? God. Let's look at Genesis 18, 19. This is God in the midst of why he has chosen Abraham. Abraham, if you're not familiar, Abraham is the grandfather of Jacob. So Abraham truly is the father of all the Israelites. And this is what he says. This is what God has, is saying regarding Abraham. I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. God has now ordained Abraham in the same way that he has ordained Adam. He, Abraham is to be the father of a people who would live out and spread the image of God for all the world to see. But to be the father he was meant to be, it wasn't about the number of descendants Abraham would have. It wasn't about Abraham controlling the idea of I need to have more and more and more children. It was simply the fact that he was called to direct his children in the way of the Lord. What's funny about this, not funny, ironic about this, is that if you know the story of Abraham, he was a very imperfect father. He was a liar and a cheat manipulating situations for his own personal gain, and yet God uses him to then display his image to the rest of the world because ultimately Abraham would come to this level of faith to say, look, I recognize that there is nothing more satisfying, that there is nothing more fulfilling than recognizing who God is, and I want my children to know it as well. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. 
Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Friends, today, Abraham in Genesis, Moses is the one who's receiving this commandment in Deuteronomy. These are two of the most praised men in both Judaism and Christianity for all time. What we know about these two men are that they are very, very flawed. And yet it is God who comes to them and says, don't focus on your flaws. Don't focus on your mistakes. Don't focus on what you can or cannot do. You, wo- you focus on me and what you're doing with your children. Take this command, love the Lord your God with everything that you are and impress this upon your children. Don't think about what might happen to them in the future. Don't think about whether they're gonna be successful adults or not. Just concentrate in the now and focus on making sure they know who I am. Friends, all of a sudden we begin to see that this command be fruitful and increase in number is so much greater than simply reproducing for reproduction's sake. It is to take the image of God and to say, I will spread this, I will teach this, I will impress this on my reproduction. We're not discussing what becomes of the children in the long run. We're discussing the process by which our triune God, who is most satisfying, most loving, and most deserving of glory, is seen by the world around us. This command to be fruitful and increase is of the same heart that Jesus also uses. So for one last piece of scripture today, Acts 1.8 is this. And these are the words of Jesus that came centuries after Abraham and Moses. And he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is telling his disciples, before he ascends into heaven, he is telling his disciples to go out and increase in number. So that the story of Jesus would be spread across the earth and the story of Jesus is the very epitome of who God is, his love manifested. Jesus isn't saying, hey, go get more people in those chairs on Sunday. That's increasing a number. Jesus is saying, go and create disciples. Go and create me lookalikes, Jesus lookalikes. And in doing so, you will have fulfilled the command to be fruitful and to increase in number. And so all of a sudden we realize, we understand Simply having kids and raising them to be successful adults. Simply raising kids and hoping that they become successful adults does not meet the standard of God's heart and blueprint for the family. Simply having kids and raising them, they could be the next whatever, fill in the blank. And you will have raised them perfectly by the world's standards and they will go on to be successful and you will have completely missed the blueprint and the heart of what God has for your family. 
Friends, today there are single men and women. There are people who don't have families for themselves who are living out the command, be fruitful and increase in number, better than parents who have 38,000 children. The heart of God is not to simply reproduce for reproduction's sake. The heart of God is that the world would experience his love and his glory. The purpose, (laughs) counter to our culture, the purpose isn't to get married and have kids. The purpose is to display God. And if you should have a family, this is where it gets really cool. And if you should have a family of your own, that family then becomes the primary means by which you display the image of God. And we cannot miss this. But when we simply live in default day after day, taking our kids to X, Y, or Z, and just having our lives be determined for us because it's the cultural thing to do, we then miss the invitation that is right in front of us, our kids who are right in front of us, the rule, the grand purpose, the vibrancy, the direction, the passion that God has ordained to be right in front of us. So I ask then another question. If I were to go around to each of our kids over in the faith factory today, and I would ask them, hey, what are your parents' favorite things? What are they most concerned about? What do you talk to your parents about? Give me a description of who your parents are. The question then becomes, would Jesus, God, or even the gospel come into that conversation? Are our families saturated with God himself? Do your kids know the love and the glory and the peace and the satisfaction that only God can give? Do they see that within you on the good days and the bad days? Do they see God when they see you? Satan would have us believe that having family is just the next step of life. That in doing so, we are fulfilling our human destiny. But if you have a family, if you are a part of a family, if you know of families, there is a greater purpose in this invitation, and that is the heart of God. So we go back to the very first question. Why should families be so attractive to someone like me? Families should be attractive to someone like me because It's just another way to display the image of God. Families shouldn't be attracted to me because having a family would complete me or because it would make me more whole or because it would make me a better Christian, but because God has ordained it as another way, another way, not the way, but another way to display his image around the world. Are you raising your family in the blueprint of God? Or are you living in default? Friends, today, this is the greatest purpose you could ever have. Do not miss it. Yes, the days come and go and they're stressful and they're full of all sorts of different things going on, the busyness of the plans. But if you miss the grand purpose, nothing else will matter. And for those of you who are in a position such as myself, how are you coming alongside the families that you know to help them display the image 
of God? Are you living in the blueprint of God with your family? Do your kids know the greatest news on earth? Would that come up in conversation and talking about you? Father, we come to you today, this morning, and Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for families. I thank you for this rule, this tool that you've allowed us to become, to display your image across the world. Father, would you help our families? Would you help me come alongside families to love and to serve in submission, displaying your glory to the ends of this world? Give us the courage and the boldness to not live in default because it could be easier, but to strive after you and everything you're doing to expand your kingdom. We love you, we praise you. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of your most beautiful son's name, Jesus, we all pray, amen. Be blessed, live in the blueprint of God. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.